In this episode of the Idea Climbing Podcast, I discuss how to create a super sticky name for your product or service. My guest is 20-year branding veteran, Alexandra Watkins. Topics include what not to do when creating a name for your product or service, tips to create a memorable name, how to pick a domain name for your product or service, and more golden nuggets of advice. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Idea Climbing Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. If you have ever eaten a Wendy's Baconator, you have literally eaten the words of today's guest, brand name expert, Alexandra Watkins. She is the chief executive boss lady and outspoken founder of Eat My Words, the only branding firm that specializes in creating brand names that make people smile instead of scratch their heads. Clients include Amazon, Google, Twitter, Disney, Coca-Cola, and countless small businesses have tapped her to come up with creative and engaging names that move people and move products. Thank you for making the time to be here today. I appreciate it. Oh, great to be here, Mark. And I'd love to jump right in. As far as as far as naming businesses, products, people, were you just was something you were just always been good at and then you built a business around it? Or was it yeah. something you picked up along the way? Um, I, I was always good with words and for years I was an advertising copywriter and every once in a while I would get thrown a bone and get to name something and I love naming. I was good at it, but I had no idea that naming was a profession. So when I discovered that around 20 years ago, I switched gears and here I am. And start with the positive side of things. You have an accurate, you have a few acronyms in the book, but one of them is SMILE. And about the, the qualities of a super sticky name. Could you explain the SMILE acronym? Sure. Well, the my uh, my entire acronym is, it's called the SMILE and Scratch Test. And it's based on my philosophy that a name should make you smile instead of scratch your head. People like to get it and feel clued in, not clueless. So SMILE is an acronym for the five qualities that make a name great. If it's suggestive, you want your name to suggest a positive brand experience and uh, clue people into what you do. Uh, if it's memorable, meaning that it's based on something familiar that people already know, as opposed to something unfamiliar and foreign. Mm -hmm. If it has imagery, which also aids in memory, just like something being based on the familiar. If it has legs, so it lends itself to a theme. And finally, the E in SMILE stands for emotional. It's really important that your name makes an emotional connection with your target audience or else it will just go right over their head. Would you explain more about imagery? Because I, I haven't had that, heard that being described in the branding world a lot, but could you explain that a little bit more? What is imagery? Sh sure. So think of the name, the bike lock company named Kryptonite. When you hear the name Kryptonite, you can picture something in your head because you're familiar with it from Superman, right? So you probably can picture Superman being repelled by kryptonite versus a name of a similar U-shaped bike lock named A-B-U-S, Abbas. You have nothing, like your brain has no imagery when it hears that name. So there's nothing to latch on to. So when you're trying to, you know, when you're at the bike shop, maybe a month later, and you're trying to think of what was the name of that bike lock Alexander talked about, 
uh, and like you're trying to picture it, like, you know how we close our eyes because we're trying to go through our brain's dusty filing cabinet to retrieve <laughs> that piece of information. Yeah. But if it's based on something that's already in your knowledge base, like kryptonite, it will be easier to remember, especially if there's a picture associated with it. What's an, what's an example of one of the one uh, an example or two of names that you've come up with that fit that category? Oh, the Church of Cupcakes, right? <laughs> There's all kinds of things you could imagine for the Church of Cupcakes. So that's one. And another one along the same lines is a frozen yogurt franchise that I named Spoon Me. <laughs> nice. <laughs> what about the other side of the coin with Scratch? Scratch is when to scratch it off the list because it makes people scratch their head. So the S stands for spelling challenge. If your name looks like a typo, scratch it off the list. It will forever frustrate people. The C for C and scratch stands for copycat. You don't want to copy somebody else. Uh, nobody likes a copycat, right? We learned that in, in school, right? Copycat, yeah. copycat. Yeah, so why be somebody else when you can be yourself? Don't, don't. And also you don't want to open yourself up to trademark infringement. Mm -hmm. And the... R stands for restrictive, and that's where you have a name that limits your future growth. So you don't want to get trapped with a name that pigeonholes you into one business if you were are eventually going to do, be doing something else. Or we'll like look at 24-hour fitness. They're no longer all open 24 hours. Um, 1-800-Flowers sells way more than flowers. You know, diapers.com sells way more than diapers. So yeah, try to uh, look in your crystal ball and think what your business will be and don't uh, lock yourself in. The A in scratch stands for annoying and annoying means that your name frustrates people and you want your name to be friction free. So mm -hmm. a source of frustration could be uh, if you spell your name with a number in it. So you're constant. So people are, you know, if your name is coast to coast, but it's spelled the numer numeral two, that's going to frustrate people because they're going to, you know, not spell it correctly. Their email will get bounced back um, if your name is totally ambiguous. So nobody really knows what it is that you do. That's another frustration factor. So, yeah, you want your name to to be the opposite of annoying. You want it to be welcoming. Then the second C in scratch stands for curse of knowledge. And that's where you know what it means, but nobody else does, right? <laughs> Your target audience doesn't, right? So it's often if something is a foreign word, either it's in a foreign language or it's just totally foreign to people. And then finally, the H in scratch stands for hard to pronounce. You only want your name, well, your name should be intuitive to pronounce and only pronounced one way. So if I told you the word, a word that spelled C-R-I-C-U-T, how would you pronounce it? It's spelled, what was the spelling again? C-R-I-C-U-T. Either cricket or cry cut. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's, it's cricket. I, for years, pronounced it cry cut until I started working with the queen of cricket and realized, oh, it's the same word. So... She told me people pronounce it wrong. It's a it's a crafting material. It's for it's like vinyl uh, that you can make into all different shapes and put it on things. And 
She's so like if you go into a craft store like Joanne's or Michael's, there's a whole aisle of it. And half the people call it cricket, half call it cry cut. But you know that brand is being it's uh they're people are diluting the brand name because if I heard somebody, if I said I want to get into crafting. And someone told me you should check out Cricut and someone else told me you should check out Crycut. Mm -hmm. We have no idea. It was the same thing. What, did, what would you say is because so many startups, especially in the tech world, have really weirdly spelled names. What advice do you have for them? Stop going to GoDaddy when you're coming up with names. That's the first place a lot of people go. Mm -hmm. And... So trying to find an available domain name, there's nothing taken, nothing available that's a pure, nothing obvious is available as a pure match domain name. So nobody cares if you have an exact match domain name anymore, just add a modifier word. You know, for the first 13 years, Tesla was in business. They didn't have tesla.com. They were at, so if you had gone to tesla.com, you would have seen a very ominous looking screen that said this site is owned by GandhiNet. But you know what? Nobody gave up. They just went in their browser, typed in Tesla car, test drive a Tesla, you know, Tesla's showroom, whatever they did, and they found it. And when they found the site, they found it instantaneously and they got there and like nobody noticed what the domain name is and nobody cared. It never stopped anybody from buying a Tesla. And the domain was teslamotors.com. So if you face a roadblock yourself, just add a modifier word. What are a few examples of modifier words that you've worked with? Um, well, it could be something as simple as adding a word in front, like hello, you know, hello, Tesla. Not really right for that brand, but, you know, it can test drive a Tesla. The, uh, I'd say the best thing to do is add something related to your business. So if we weren't at eatmywords.com, we could be eat my words, naming, brand names, branding. So add something related to your business or look, be really creative and try a phrase. So one that I like a lot is there's a peanut butter company called Peanut Butter & Co. But their domain name is ilovepeanutbutter.com. And people that love peanut butter, myself included, love that domain. And if you go to peanutbutterandco.com, it redirects to I love peanut butter, which is funny because the that's not the name of the business, but every, you know, the employees love having, I love peanutbutter.com as their email address. Um, vendors love it. You know, people, they're obviously their consumers, their client brand, the people that love their uh, peanut butters love it. They also have one named Beanut Butter. I think it's it's called cute. what? Beanut. It's a honey flavored peanut butter and it's called Beanut oh, Butter. Oh, B-E. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so that's that was very clever. Another one that I love is a mail order turkey company called Greenberg Smoke Turkeys. Not a great name, but their domain name is unforgettable, which is gobblegobble.com. I can't believe they they must have had to buy that from somewhere. That's too good of a no, domain but name. But what? But but no, I don't know. Like to me, it's like maybe nobody ever thought of it. Like people. People, it's weird. Domain names, to me, it's like, it doesn't matter how long your domain name is. It, it matters, is it memorable, right? Gobble Gobble is impossible to forget. Uh, but if it's just like some weird random word or, you know, misspelled word or like all these tech companies do. I mean, one of the reasons I wrote my book 
was because I was living in San Francisco, just seeing all of these horrible spellings of tech company names. Yeah. I mean, weird things like K-I-I-P, um, X-O-B-N-I. I mean, just people were just doing anything they could to get an available domain name, but but then they would have a name that nobody could remember. What did, talk a little bit more about what are some ideas to make a memor to have a, or get a memorable domain name? Talk a little bit more about that because I think that's really important. We'll start with having a, a memorable. It helps if you have a memorable name. So here's an example. There's a luxury apartment or, or condo building in San Francisco called Lumina. And when they were they were selling their their units, their their domain name was life at lumina.com. Like that makes a really strong emotional connection. And it it like it was very aspirational and desirable. Like, ooh, I want to live there. I remember seeing that billboard walking by, like, ooh, I want to live there. Life at Lumina. That sounds good. So have a domain name like I love peanut butter. It makes an emotional response. Um, another time. We named a gourmet popcorn store, Pop Psychology, and we couldn't get that exact match domain name. So we did Crazy for Popcorn, which is, you know, fun, easy to remember. And it was also their tagline. Well, it was Crazy for Popcorn? Yeah. Well, once Yeah, because people... it's Pop Psychology, right? Like okay. psychology, crazy. Yeah, the whole theme of was, yeah, like we had one of the flavor names was Munchausen Syndrome. Uh, we had bipolar for the um, sweet and salty tin. Yeah. yeah. What other branding tips do you have ar around names that you feel are important that people should know? Well, you have to think of your name as like your name is really the foundation of your brand. It will last longer and get used more than any other investment you make in your company. So it's really important that you get it right. And that it's bulletproof. And that's why the scratch test is so important to make sure it doesn't have any of those holes because there's a lot of things people don't think about. Like the cricket people, they weren't thinking about like, oh, would somebody pronounce our name Crycut, which is bizarre to me because it looks like Crycut. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I would go ahead. No, I just would can I I just never saw cricket. They they changed their logo recently to make it a little bug. It's really cute. But like like you can't rely. Here's what I'll tell people. You cannot rely on your logo, on weird capitalization, on colors to tell people how to pronounce something. You have to you your name has to be able to appear as a proper noun in black and white in the Wall Street Journal. In front of your book, you have feelings about people using their name as a domain name. Good, bad, otherwise, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, people using their own name as a business name, I think is a mistake. I mean, trying to sell your business if it's named after yourself is really hard. Uh, also, your name doesn't say anything about you. Uh, one of my favorite examples is we worked with a publicist named Lynette Hoy, and her name says nothing about her personality, what she does. So we rebranded her Fire Talker PR with the tagline hot on the press. So that's a name with legs, right? It lends itself to a theme. She calls herself the fire chief. She works in the firehouse. She has packages like controlled burn and fire starter. She calls her webinar, Ignite Your Visibility. 
And she has a theme song, which is Fire by the Ohio Players. And if someone's listening, they realize, oh gosh, I don't, I don't pass the scratch test. What do I do? But I've had my domain for five years, for 10 years. Where do they stand with, with changing the name or keeping it the same if the case is, well, I've had it for this many years already. I'm just going to leave it the same. What would you say to them? Do a redirect. Um, <laughs> it's the easiest thing to do. Just redirect your domain name. It's seamless. No one will even notice. But I think that we, I mean, I know for sure, like we've renamed two businesses that are more than a hundred years old. Uh, one, we just did really, well, the first one was a bank and it was a award-winning regional bank and it was in Kansas, but it was called First National Bank of Syracuse because they were in Syracuse, Kansas. But of course, people think of Syracuse, New York. No one in Kansas wants to do business with a New York bank, right? So they had that hurdle to overcome. Um, they, you know, they had, they, and plus First National Bank of Syracuse, it didn't feel like a maverick bank, which is what they are. So they wanted a name that was more expressive of their personality and what, what they did, which is they help people make their dreams come true. They, you know, finance a lot of farm equipment. They've been doing, you know, generation after generation of, you know, wealth management. So we rebranded them Dream First because it was all about making dreams come true. And then we kept the name first, like First National Bank. So that was, that was very, and it's a very different name for a bank and that gets them a lot of attention. And then recently, within the last month, we renamed a, a, a number of healthcare centers in Los Angeles. They, for over a hundred years, they had the name Queens Care and they love the name, but they were forced to change it. And for some, some, reason with the I, I'm not quite clear on exactly why they had mm -hmm. to but they had to so we they're a faith-based uh healthcare centers and we rebranded them Grace Light and Grace Light is a really pretty name it's suggestive of faith with the word grace in it light is about you know illumination it's really evocative and they love the new name and like I'll tell you it's hard when like like First National Bank of Syracuse, they wanted to change the name. Mm -hmm. With Queens Care, they did not want to change the name. I mean, that was hard. Uh, and But they were willing to give it a shot and be open to new ideas. And now they can't imagine being named anything else. What, is, what would be the most important part of a name? As far as the most important, is it the branding because of the branding? Is it because of memorability? If you had to pick something that was more top of the list important what would you say is the most important memorability i think that it's easy to remember yeah and we've covered a lot of ground in a short period of time if you were to tell people one thing about their name if nothing else just do this to get some motion going what would you tell them to do if it's a new company first well you mean like they already have their name no, the first one would be they don't have a name. If you, if you, everything oh. we've been talking about, if you were to say the most important thing to do is this for a new company, what would that be? Come up, come up with a name that's that's easy for people to spell, pronounce, and remember. But that ha, that you know, come up with a fun name. You know, those those are the names that people. I say people tweet and repeat. Right? That you see a fun name, you take a picture of it, you tell your friends about it. You know, I've told so many people, you know, Spoomy, Church of Cupcakes, we named a GPS for dogs, Retriever, 
people love fun names, right? Because they get it and they, they it makes them smile. And if you can do that, you're golden. And is that the same advice for established companies or are there different different dynamics in, in play if they're already established? Well, if you're an established company and you already have your name and you're like, well, we're kind of stuck with our name. We're not going to change it, but we want to inject some more, you know, personality into it. You know, I mean, one thing you can do to instantly, you know, have a little fun is name your conference room something fun. People have really boring names of conference rooms, whether it's, you know, 23A or they're named after cities, right? You know, Paris, London, those are boring. Come up with something more fun. Name them after funny dance names, you know, Cha-Cha or the Funky Chicken or the Lindy Hop, like, like, or childhood toys. Anything you do, like, like at Etsy, they name their meeting rooms after they name them musician food mashups. So for instance, Fleetwood Mac and Cheese, Sushi and the Banshees, Oreo Speedwagon, right? People love that. And so if you think about it, your conference rooms, who's in the conference room? Your employees, but you also have vendors that come meet in conference rooms. You have potential employees that are going to see your conference rooms, maybe meet in the conference room when they're walking around. So, you know, that's a way to show that you're creative, that you're fun, that you have a, a good culture. And it doesn't cost anything and you don't have to trademark the names. Well, I would imagine people listening or watching right now are thinking about the domains and oh, I don't know if it's right. Could you talk about the test you have on your site? Yeah. So the test is the smile and scratch test. So just go to eatmywords.com, click on test a name. It will walk you through 12 questions about your name and then it will give you an evaluation of the strength of your name. And eatmywords.com, is that the best place to reach you or should, should yeah. I look you up on LinkedIn or just go to yeah. the website? Look me up on LinkedIn at Alexander Watkins. And yeah, that's a great place to connect with me. If you do send me an invitation to connect, please tell me you heard me on this podcast. So I don't think you're just some random person reaching out to me because we all get those, right? <laughs> Thank you so much for the time, Alexandra. I appreciate it. This has been fun. My pleasure. Thanks, Mark. Thank you for tuning into the Idea Climbing Podcast. If you'd like to hear from a lot more experts, the Idea Climbing book is now available at ideaclimbingbook.com. You can also hear more podcasts at ideaclimbing.com. Hope to see you in one of those two venues. Have a great one.